Well, good morning. It's good to be back. Um, did not quite finish the MDiv, okay? Just, just a bit of correction there. Did not quite finish the MDiv. So, um, anyway, remember the do you remember the Lord of the Rings? Who remembers the Lord of the Rings, all right? You remember the fellowship? We've gone, we've, we've dodged black riders, we've, uh, we've delighted in Tom Bombadil, we've, uh, we've dealt with strange Ents. Um, we had to deal with Sauron and his evil, but finally the ring of power has been destroyed. We come back to the, the uh, Shire. We cleanse the Shire, of course, and uh, Sam comes to live with Frodo for a while. He notices his friend is a little ill at ease, and finally Frodo sets him down one day and says, you need to study these things. And he gives Sam all his books and all his papers, and he says, because the story is now yours, because Frodo is leaving. And they go to the Grey Havens, and, and there they meet Gandalf, and Frodo and Gandalf the wizard get on a ship, and they sail away from Middle-earth. And Sam goes back home, and he plunks himself in his chair, and he looks at his wife and his little girl and says, after all these adventures, I'm back. I'm home. We celebrate home in, in story and song, don't we? Stephen Foster said, um, be it ever so humble. There's no place like home. The sun shines bright on my old Kentucky home. Dorothy Gale, you remember Dorothy, having lubricated a tin man, liquidated a wizard, and inadvertently launched a wizard into space, stood back, looked at her situation, closed her eyes, clicked her heels together, and said what? There's no place like home. And there is no place like home. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. There are many dwelling places. There are many homes. And I'm going to prepare one for you. And so don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going to prepare a home for you. But as born-again people, how do we know for certain that we will one day, one day, find ourselves secure in that heavenly home. And we're going to address the topic today about perseverance of the saints and assurance of salvation. It's, as I was telling Courtney, it's my one topical message of, of the year. We're, we're not exegetical this morning. We're topical. So they'll take away, you know, don't let the seminary find out about this. They'll take away my preacher's card. And, uh, but we're going to look at some text this morning. Hope we find this uh, profitable and hope we've, we've given you some assurance. Perseverance of the saints. Wayne Grudem uh, says this, and it's a quote, all of these are, are all those who are truly born again, and let me define that term, all these who are truly born again, regenerated, regenerated, and effectually called, write those things down, all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. They are kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives. And only 
those who persevere until the end are truly born again. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word this morning, uh, open our hearts to the truth of your word. Set aside the cares of this world, as it were. Help us to um, uh, see what Jesus has done for us. And for those of us who maybe don't know Christ as our own Savior, help that this morning our eyes will be open to the truth of the gospel and that glorious uh, truth that you have gone indeed to prepare a place for us that all of us might have the assurance of salvation and that Jesus would be lifted up this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk some, we're going to jump around, we're going to look at a lot of verses, and I know I'm, you know, I'm old school. I get that. I look at the text. I know a lot of you, especially, there's a lot of young people here. You're going to look at your phones and, and you're going to scroll on through, but we're going to have you look at some texts this morning. I'd like you to turn this morning, first off, to John chapter 6. Uh, we're going we're gonna to break this down in. How do we know that we're saved? Only those who truly persevere until the end are truly born again. And we're going to look first, how do we know this, is a, 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 this perseverance of the saints is a, is a, a truth we can, we can count on? We're going to look first at the promises of God. And as we turn to John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40, John chapter 6, verse 38 through 40, we read this. Let me go up to 35, get a little, get a, give a little more context. Jesus said in John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is, this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I will lose nothing, but will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Scripture promises that those who are truly born again will have one day have eternal life. And Jesus points this out in John chapter, John chapter 6. He says first that everyone who believes will have eternal life. And he also says in this passage that I will raise him up on the last day. And then he says, this is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And, and several times he says about the will of my father, this is also the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I will lose nothing. I will raise him up on the last day. And so he promises those of us who are born again, one day will have eternal life. Turn, if you will, to, told you we're going to jump around. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 10, just a few pages over. John chapter 10, verse, uh, let's pick it up in uh, verse 25. John chapter 10, verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, uh, I, uh, they, the Jews have asked, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And, and Jesus says, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know my sheep, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Notice several points here. The sheep are given eternal life, and these sheep will never perish. Let me go uh, uh, for you Greek geeks in here, all right? We throw some Greek at you. Greek has a double negative. In English, when we throw a double negative at you, what does it do? Yeah, it turns into a positive, right? Greek has two negatives. One negates the actuality of a situation, and the other negative that they use negates the potentiality. And Jesus, in this statement here, when he says that they will never perish, uses them both, stacks them together. And when he says you will never perish... He's negating not only the actuality, but even the potentiality that you will perish. You, if you believe in me, will never perish. Never perish. It's not actual. It's not potential. You will never perish, and no one will snatch you out of the Father's hand. And so we see in Scripture that Jesus makes this promise that one day we will have eternal life. But I'm going to push this a little farther and slice the baloney a little bit thin and say not only that you will have eternal life, but I'm going to tell you this morning that according to the promises of the word of God, you actually now possess eternal life. This is something you have right now. Do you know this is the worst place you will ever live if you're born again? This is, this, this is as bad as it gets, Right? This is as bad as it gets. If you have eternal life, you, or if you are born again, you presently have eternal life. Let's turn, if you will, uh, I'll just read this. John chapter 6, verse 47, Jesus says to them, Truly I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. Um, John chapter 5, verse 24, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, present tense, eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Does not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Let's go back to John chapter 3, please. John chapter 3, a few pages back. John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, 16, most famous verse in the Bible, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged because he does not, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. Note the contrast here. Note the contrast here, that those of us who are born again have eternal life. Those who do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ come into judgment and condemnation and death. 
There's a contrast in these verses. Go down to verse 36, John chapter 3. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I think there's a couple of interesting things in this verse to notice. He who believes the Son has eternal life. You presently have eternal life if you believe the Son. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. What's, what's the uh, uh, equivalency here? Belief and obey. Belief and obey. How do, what's one of the indications that I'm born again? I obey. I obey. Who remembers Patch the Pirate? Anybody? Anybody here remember? <laughs> there's, there's three of us, all right? You had to be from a certain, you had to be from a certain uh, fundamentalist uh, uh, background for this. But uh, Patch the Pirate did kid songs, all right? Frank Garlock was his dad, um, or was uh, his, his father-in-law. And, uh, but Patch the Pirate did a song. It goes like this. <clears throat> Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. How do I know I'm saved? We'll get into this a little bit later in our talk on assurance. But one of the ways we know we're, we're uh, saved, one of the ways we know that we're believers, is that we obey God's voice. We obey God's commands. And those who do not obey don't see life, but the wrath, the judgment, the condemnation, and death from God abide on him. There's a contrast here between those who are born again and those who do not believe. Believers will have eternal life. They presently have eternal life. But believers also persevere to the end. Go, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We saw with those who do not obey the word of God, there is death, there is judgment, there is condemnation, and there's the wrath of God. Don't make light of these things. There is a, there is a, a, a push, I think, in modern theology to say that, that oh, Hellfire and damnation. You must be joking. No, we're not. We're not. There will one day be a judgment. And those who are unsaved will be paid the wages that they're deserved. The wages of sin is death. Make no mistake about it. But there is no condemnation, Paul tells us, to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. It would be unjust for God to give eternal punishment to Christians because for those of us who are in Christ, Jesus has paid our penalty. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those he... Uh, we'll go to 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called 
according to his purpose. So much to say here. You know, we could preach a, a sermon out of that verse, I suppose. How many things work together for good? <laughs> all things. What if my car breaks down? Yeah, well, all things, right? What if I'm sick? Uh, all things, right? Uh, James tells us, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith does what? Produces positive things, see? Good things happen when your faith is tried. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. But he elaborates on this in the rest of this passage. In verse 29, he says this, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. John Frame, John Frame. Courtney and I had a little discussion about John Frame before. John Frame says this, the logic is inevitable. The logic is inevitable. Anyone whom God savingly foreknows or elects, that's a scary term, right? Anyone whom God savingly foreknows or elects, he predestines to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Anyone so predestined receives an effectual call from God sometime in his life, a summons into fellowship with Christ, an order that he cannot decline. Who remembers the day that you received that effectual call from God? What? That day that you heard the gospel and said, yeah, this is the real deal. What Jesus said about himself is true. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. And Jesus is that man, that effectual call. For some of you, it came when you were children. For some of you, it came when you were an adult. For some of you, it may have come when you were a teenager. Maybe there's one or two in this room that that call still hasn't come. Maybe today will be the day. But Frame says it's a summons that you cannot decline. And those whom God calls, he justifies. He declares them righteous for Christ's sake. Those he justifies, he glorifies. No one who is foreknown, no one who is predestined, no one who is called, no one who is righteous for Christ's sake can escape the glorification that God has in store for him because his final salvation is certain. It's certain. And, and just a couple of things here. Called, this word call, when, when God calls you, that summons, Calling in scripture is this. I always have to point this out. Another, another Greek geek moment, all right? I always have to point this out. Calling in scripture is a designation. It's never an invitation. 
So when Paul says, writing to, to Rome, Paul called as an apostle, he's not saying I was invited. He's saying I was appointed. It's a designation. And if you have been called, you are designated a child of God. And if you are designated as a child of God, your glorification, your conformity to the image of Christ is an absolute certainty that will not be thwarted. No man, Jesus said, will pluck these people out of my hand. Because once God calls, you persevere. Let's look at Ephesians, a couple pages over. Everything's just a couple pages over, right? Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. We'll read all the way down to verse 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. We'll stop right there. Pause. When did he choose you? Remember we talked earlier about this, this summons, this calling that you cannot deny. When did God decide he was going to call you? Before the foundation of the earth. Let that rattle around in your head for a little while. Before he got this whole thing going, he decided Gary Papp is going to be part of the family. Gary is going to be conformed to the image of Christ. He did this before the foundation of the world. So, he chose us before the foundation of the world, verse 4 again, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So, our, 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 we have seen that we have, we, we will have, sell, or we will have eternal life. We presently have eternal life. We see that uh, believers persevere to the end, according to Romans chapter 8. And here we see there's a ministry of the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit. Um, 
We cannot escape glorification. Our final salvation is certain. And part of that is because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We read here in Ephesians chapter 1, 1, that we are chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. In verse 7, notice this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption, we, redemption means this. We are set free on the basis of a ransom paid to God by Jesus Christ. I was a prisoner in the slave market of sin and somebody came and purchased me out of that slave market. Who was it? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus took his blood and said, Father, here's the payment. Let him go. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so we are, are, are chosen before the foundation of the world. God determined to redeem us, to set us free on the basis of the ransom that uh, uh, um, was paid by Christ's blood. And notice in verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness of our trespasses. Brother, sister, let me tell you something. Don't flog yourself. Don't flog yourself because you haven't always lived. Uh, Nathan, uh, uh, talking in Sunday school, uh, what about good examples? Jesus is the example. We don't always live up to that example, do we? And you will flog yourselves. Don't let Satan grab that, all right, and tell you you're not worthy to go to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness of sins. Don't, don't let Satan take that, that lie and say that you're not worthy to come before God in prayer and, and ask for things. Don't let, him, don't let him give you that lie because through the redemption of Jesus Christ, through his shed blood, you have forgiveness of sins. Your sins have been forgiven. You will, uh, um, thirdly, the chosen will hear the message of truth and they will believe. Notice verse 13. In him, you, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed with him with the Holy Spirit of promise. One day, one day, you heard the message of truth. There was a BC in your life, a before Christ. One day, you heard the message of truth. And now there is a after Christ, as it were. <laughs> and your life was changed. You repented. You turned around. You heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed. And here's the other point I, I, that I'm emphasizing here, this ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was then given to you as a pledge. You were sealed, verse uh, 13 and 14, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Sealing designates ownership. Sealing designates ownership. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we're told, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit who is the seal 
of our redemption. He has been, we have been stamped, all right, as owned by God the Father through the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And notice in verse 14, this Holy Spirit was given as a pledge of our inheritance, a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. A pledge is a down payment with more payments guaranteed. I don't know what's to come. I don't know what's to come. I know the blessings I have from salvation just here in this life. But Paul says to the effect, eye is not seen, ear is not heard. I don't think we can imagine the good things that are to come because we have been, the Holy Spirit is the pledge of our inheritance and there's more payments to come. There's more blessings to come. When we get to glory, I think, I think it's funny. People sometimes will say, um, when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do is ask God, and then they got a question, because, you know, why did, why did God do whatever it is God did? And we think we're going to go ask God. Well, you know, why, what, were you, what were you thinking? I got news for you. Uh, yeah, no. Um, you know, fall on your face and, and worship is what you're going to do. But then when the initial shock <laughs> is over, I think we'll be overwhelmed with what goes on in heaven. Overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit is the pledge of more to come. More to come. Um, go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Just right across a page probably. And verses 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 10. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature, we were by nature, by birth, children of wrath, even as the rest. We were dead we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. We were by nature, by birth, children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of the result of works, so that no man may boast. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them so that we would walk in them. Um, when Christ comes, we're, 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 we're forgiven. One other aspect here. I want two aspects of redemption. Um, first, um, first, we're set free from the punishment of sin. Redemption is the cause. Redemption is the cause. Forgiveness is the effect. Secondly, at Christ's coming, we're going to be set free from sin's presence. We saw that back in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Um, I'm confident of this very thing, Paul tells us. 
that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Turn, if you will, to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, or uh, chapter 1, and verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, as is my want, I will pick up a context. But blessed be the, in verse 3, blessed be the God, our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. For you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again, verse 3. And we are protected by the power of God. And I think part of this is through the sealing of the Holy Spirit that's within us. But we are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That word protected can mean, uh, uh, it's got a couple of nuances. One is it's, it, it means kept from escaping kept from escaping. And you remember way back in John when Jesus said, no man will be able to snatch them out of my hand. Right? Once, once, once they're there, once the Father has given them to me, no man can snatch them out of my hand. You'll hear some people say, well, I can snatch myself out of his hand by my sin. I don't think so. And, and the reason I don't think so is, is, is a verse like this. And, and Peter tells us this, look, you're protected. You're protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed to the last time. And that word for protected means, uh, one of the nuances is this, it means to keep from escaping. To keep from escaping. Imagine I'm a Roman guard and I'm guarding Paul in prison. There's two things that are going on here. One, I'm keeping him from escaping. That's the point of a guard, right? You're not getting away. Secondly, though, I'm protecting him from those that might come in and want to do a political assassination, so to speak. So we're, we're, we're guarding him, we're protecting him, we're guarding him, but we're keeping him from escaping. And I believe that, that this verse, notice, we are protected. We're kept from escaping. We can't even, we can't even snatch ourselves out of the Father's hand. Um, we're protected from escaping by the power of God through faith. And I think this is important for us to note. We've talked about the promises of God, that those who believe in me will have eternal life. Those who believe in me have eternal life, all right? But I think it's important to see what God does to keep us. He works through our faith. He works through our faith. We are protected by the power of God through faith. In Jude, John Piper, we won't turn there, but uh, i got to hurry through. Uh, in Jude, you want to read this. You want to do a word study on the word kept. Uh, John Piper pointed this out. So the, the book starts about blessing God who keeps us. And then about halfway through the book, Jude writes and he says, keep yourselves then through, and he lists several, several Christian uh, uh, aspirations, 
keep yourselves through, the, through prayer and keep yourselves through several other things. And then at the end of the book, he, he again praises God who keeps us. And, and I had somebody say to me one time, I was born again. I went forward. I, I, I went forward to service. I prayed the prayer. And, uh, but now I'm, I'm not going to church I'm, and, and, just, and went through this litany of sins. <laughs> and I said, because uh, i got to use this term at least once while I'm here. I said, well, I'm only a pipe fitter, and that's way above my pay grade to determine if you're saved or not, but I would say you're not. Why? Because God keeps his kids. He protects us. He guards us. And he does that through faith, and he encourages us in our faith. So what about, what about texts that indicate maybe that we can lose our salvation? You know, Paul and I quoted it. Uh, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. But what about those texts that tell us or seem to indicate that we, we will lose or can lose our salvation? I would say this, perseverance is not guaranteed to everyone who professes faith. Perseverance is not guaranteed to everyone who professes faith. Um, it's only guaranteed to those who really trust Christ. Are you born again? Have you been born again? Not did you walk an aisle. Not did you sign a card. Not even that you prayed a prayer. Although maybe, certainly, a prayer was involved. But, but did you really trust Christ? There's the account in Matthew chapter 7 where they come and they stand before God and, and they say, look, we've done miracles. We've healed the sick. We've done many wonderful things. And Jesus looks at them finally and says, I never knew you. Depart. I never knew you. You can, you can put on the, the costume, as it were. But if you trusted Christ, because this perseverance is only guaranteed to those who really trust Christ, he has reconciled you, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, yet now he is, has he reconciled you, if indeed you continue in the faith. John 8, chapter 31, verse 32. If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Matthew chapter 10. You will be hated of all because of my name, but it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. So how do I give you assurance that this perseverance is actually yours? Well, you know, there was a man that, that came before Jesus, and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Do you have a present trust, I would ask? Do you have a present trust in Jesus Christ? John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? God loved the world in this manner, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth. And that verb there can be translated, another Greek moment, uh, can be translated, whoever is believing. Are you born again? Are you born again? And your answer may be, well, when I was six, I walked an aisle. When I was ten, I was at a vacation Bible school, and, and I signed a card. 
Or when I was 20, I, I did whatever. Are you born again? I think your answer might better be, and think about this, in one in the present. Whoever is believing will have eternal life. Are you born again? Yes, I am. Because this morning, I watched Jesus do X, Y, or Z in my life. We ought to be able to give a present-day accounting of our faith. Not just, not just depend on something we did years ago, but that, that faith ought to be something that whoever is believing... I believe the promises of God, and it's evidenced in my life this way. Is there growth in sanctification? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, it says in Philippians, because it is God who worketh in you both to work and to will of his good pleasure. Are you seeing growth in sanctification? Um, we got to turn to one more. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Have nothing to do with worldly fables, verse 7. And I'm almost done. Have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of a little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And that word there really is from the word uh, gymnastics. Gym, uh, refers to the gymnasium. It means to work out. Who likes to work out? Nobody, right? Because why? What's the operative word in work out? Work, work, all right? Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. But notice in verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Are you growing in sanctification? I would say, if, if you would come to me and say, well, I, I don't know, am I, am I sure I'm born again? Well, do you believe the promises of God? Are you believing that Jesus Christ gave himself for your, for your sins? That would be my first question. My second question would be, are you growing in sanctification? Is your growth evident to all? Are you disciplined in, are you working out in the disciplines of grace? Thirdly, the witness of the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that if we are children of God, and it, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. This is a little subjective. I get it. Quick story, then we'll close. My, uh, my family, my grandparents, my great-grandparents were all Jehovah's Witnesses. All of them. All of them. And I had been saved a little while. I got saved at 13, and, and I was probably 16 or 17. I'd, I'd gone to the house over in Ferndale talking to my, my, my grandparents and, and some of the attendant relatives. And, and we got off on salvation. And they asked... Uh, 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 for my testimony, and I said, and I, I know, and I gave my testimony, and I said, and I know I pass from death unto life, that uh, I will be in heaven, and I don't have to fear hell any longer. And if you know about Jehovah's Witnesses, they do not believe in hell after death. 
and you should have seen it. They went, they, they in one accord, they said it was the craziest thing, and they like howled, no, no, there is no hellfire. And, and the strangest thing, and, and again, this is subjective, but it was like this warmth came over me, and I went, yeah, there is, and I'm saved from it. I'm saved from it. And I think to this day, subjective, it was the Holy Spirit bearing testimony in my spirit that I was born again. That that young man facing his relatives was born again. There's, there's the promises of God to give you assurance, the promises of God, growth and sanctification, and the witness of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 25, we read this account. There was a master who was going on a long trip. And he gave his, his servants stewardship over several talents. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, to third he gave one. And he went away for a long time. And you remember the story. Uh, the one servant took his five, he invested it, he got a return on his investment. The other steward was faithful to his stewardship. He got a return on his investment. The third one hid it away in a hole in the ground. And after a long time, the master came back, and there was an accounting. There was an accounting. What kind of steward were you with the gifts that I have given to you? And to those who were faithful, the master said this, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful. And I would submit to you this morning that if you are born again, you will be faithful in the gifts that God has given you. You will be faithful in persevering, though there might be difficulties and trials and whatnot. You might be hated among men, but you will persevere. And the master came and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in, in, in many things, and I will make you steward over much. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Enter into the joy of our Lord. Welcome home. 